Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It? I'm Annie. I'm Marianne. And we are a Star Wars podcast and we talk about Star Wars news, Star Wars books, and whatever show or movie happens to be going on, which right now is The Bad Batch. And in that order, this week was the ninth episode of The Bad Batch, which I recently realized that when we talk about Wednesday shows, which they've been Wednesday shows for a while, um, and then our episodes come out on Tuesday, it's already been six days. So that means by the time people listen to this, the next episode comes out tomorrow. <laughs> so it's basically it's a recap before they watch the next episode. Exactly. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome for that exclusive content. Last week, we did not read in um, from a certain point. Well, I read it and Marion didn't read it, but then we had a double double drop of the bad batch so we went ahead and didn't do it so this week we're only going to read one story and it is long and we will get into it and we're also going to talk about episode nine of the bad batch and before all of that we're going to talk about star wars news and can i just start it off by saying that star wars is on tiktok and following marianne <laughs> it's been a week for marianne's tiktok guys god i don't oh my god yeah i was looking up it was six days ago that my bitch rant about Will Poulter playing, possibly paying, playing Cal Kestis. It's been six days since that thing went fucking viral. <laughs> and I'm still getting notifications about it. But I did hit over 1.2 million views. So I was like, hey. Ooh, and then it was, two. yeah. So then two days ago, uh, Star Wars announced on their, tic- on their Twitter that they have a TikTok now. So, of course, I go flying to TikTok. I find them. There's their first video, which obviously is Obi-Wan Kenobi. The three different Obi-Wans saying hello there. Hello there. Um, So, of course, I like it. I follow them. I say, welcome to TikTok um, in their comments. And then my friend messaged me. She said, I'm going to shoot my shot. And she had, and of course, a shit ton of people did this. And she made a video where she was like, hello, Star Wars. I was like, all right, I'm going to do that too. And so I ran out to my car. And I was like well, I guess I can't post screenshots of their tweets anymore. And I'm like, welcome to TikTok, Star Wars. And then it was probably four or five hours later that I happened to open TikTok and there it was. <laughs> I screamed so loud that my boss behind a door heard me and came running. <laughs> so when Marianne told me this news, I... You were watching was, The Bad Batch, weren't you? I was watching The Bad Batch and I well, I had just finished. And because this time, normally I get to watch it first. And this time Marianne got to see it first um, because I had stuff going on, I guess. (laughs) I don't remember because it's been two days. And they basically I had this theory that we'll get into. um, And Marianne goes, Annie. But like in all caps. And I was like, oh, am I supposed to already know this? Like, is this an obvious thing? And then she did it again. Annie. And I was like, oh my gosh, I missed something big. I feel so stupid right now. And then she did it a third time and then she sent the screenshot that they followed her. And I was like, I'm very happy for you, but I also thought you were screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. I mean, sorry. it was it was wor- like it's worthy of the reaction you gave it. I think, <laughs> I think it was just the timing. <laughs> Oh, it was, was a little weird yes. when you're only messaging and not um right not actually like yeah and then i went out to my car and i recorded a reaction video to it but i didn't post it for several hours because i was too afraid 
because I thought this was a joke. I was like, this is so totally a joke. I'm not going to post this because they're just going to think I'm an idiot and they're going to like unfollow me. And my friend was like, no, you need to do it because I did it too. So do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. But I didn't tag him in it. And she's like, why the hell did you not tag him in it? I was like, because <laughs> you don't really want them to see how happy we are. I don't want them to see my like see me like a blubbery mess. It's like because everybody else had really nice reaction videos except for me. I'm just like sobbing, like literally. The girl that's Dolores from HR was crying. Oh yeah, I saw I did I do remember. And that, I yeah. was like, she's crying and she is like I feel like she has a million followers. Like oh, I yeah, could she's be wrong. Got, but she's got a ton of followers. She's yeah. got a ton. So I was like, well, she's crying. I think it's fine if you cry. Like, yeah. so I did post it, and of course my friends are like, "Well, then." I think they I followed Jen Markham too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, makes but sense. But I had before I posted <laughs> my reaction video, one of my friends commented on my "Welcome to Star Wars," "Welcome to TikTok Star Wars" video, and she was like, "They followed you back." I'm like, "How did you find out that? How did you find that out?" But I think people were getting on, were looking at the list of people that Star Wars was following because. They went ham following people day one. Yeah, they followed. They're now at 52, but they followed 51 people the first day. I was one of the. There's a girl. I, she might be one of your um, one of your mutuals, but I don't know her name off the top of my head, but she's blonde. That's all I. <laughs> and she basically made this video where she was like, Star Wars. Hello. Welcome. Um, I just need to tell you about clone simp TikTok. She made a whole TikTok about it. Is it, is it Remy? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it was so funny because she was like, yes, I don't know. Like, I assume you're aware, but maybe you're not. But this is this is our side of TikTok. Like, it was a whole, she was very serious about people it. People were panicking, though. Let me tell you, people were panicking. They but were like, I gained, <laughs> I'm now at over 900 followers. So I'm at wow. 901 right now. How many um, did you have before they followed you? With Star Wars 901? It was, no. <laughs> It was like, I was in the 800s because I was like, what pushed me was the, because I got, I gained 200 followers from that one video, from my viral video. I gained over 200 followers from the viral video. Wow. So it brought me up, it brought me up from 650 to 850 and then Star Wars followed me and that pushed me to over 900 one one girl that i've been following for a while suddenly she was following me uh my one of my mutuals fiance was suddenly following me and i'm like what is going on because like i'm still like me and my friend young were having this conversation last night like we're just like we don't understand i do not like i do not understand why they're following me i am convinced that i know them or that i have at least interacted with them and that's why they're following me that is like i'm convinced that so I mean, maybe a ton of people are just huge fans of um, Cal Kestis and you just spoke all of their thoughts and they were like, obviously, I need to be on this page. So <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, my friend is convinced it's because of my I'm one of the very few people on TikTok who talks about Star Wars music. Yeah, so, it is a niche. I agree. Yeah. And so she thinks that that also helped. Yeah, I'm still reeling. I'm still I'm still on this high right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, in other Star Wars news. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. In other Star Wars news, uh, the Bad Batch <laughs> Season 2 Volume 1 soundtrack was released today. So very exciting. Speaking of Star Wars music. Yes, of course. <laughs> I ran straight to the track where Echo says goodbye to Omega and I cried. 
Very usual. <laughs> they keep confirming that uh, Taika Waititi is developing a Star Wars movie. Um, I'm not positive how I feel about that. I loved Thor Ragnarok. Um, and I hated Thor Love and Thunder. And also, he apparently asked Natalie Portman, hey, I'm developing a Star Wars movie, and would you like to be in it? And she was like, I, I've, done, I've done that. <laughs> That's a little <laughs> concerning. And he was like, oh, I forgot. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but, but I guess they're going to be announcing, um, they're going to be announcing stuff at Celebration, like I think new film projects at Celebration. Uh, they dropped the <laughs> a scene from Mandalorian season three with Grogu just spinning. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. so it was the Super Bowl this week. So that's mm -hmm. where the the scene and there was a a couple more teaser clips that are like fifteen seconds long from Mando season three. Um, there they released a still of um, I almost called her Satine. That's oh, not the damn. right sister. <laughs> Bo-Katan sitting on the throne of Mandalore, um, looking real distraught. Um, and then there's some stills of them together, like her and um, Din Djarin together. And in the trailer, they weren't in it at all together. So people yeah. were wondering. There's and a picture. Aunt Bo-Katan, Grogu, and Daddy Din all hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some more Mando stuff from the Super Bowl. That's all I got. I think that's all that happened at the Super Bowl. So, but I think because also they are, they're really ramping up Mando, but I think Disney is focused on promoting the Ant-Man movie right now because it came out yep. today, yesterday, technically today. Um, I heard it was really good. Um, I'm waiting for my brother's review of it because I have, sometimes I really trust his judgment and other times um he always says he loves things but with marvel he's usually pretty honest because he's like a marvel skeptic <laughs> so mm. um but ant-man the first one is probably like my favorite marvel film which i know is probably an unpopular opinion but as a as a movie like i think it's my favorite movie to like enjoy it's like mm. The perfect mix of comedy and action and stakes like it's amazing i'm so behind on marvel it's ridiculous the i think i'm caught up i just watched wakanda forever when it came out on stream like on streaming day and i want to see ant-man in the movies but we'll see we'll see what kind of time i have this week so um this week we read this 25 or 30 page story that last week I believe I described it as the love actually of Star Wars in a short story which basically just means there's a ton of characters they all kind of have standalone situations that are very well fleshed out and they all interact and there's actually a still man I was gonna look it up there's a very specific table that all of the characters are sitting at in the cantina in the movie yes. so these two authors basically were like, let's take this table and turn it into a 30-page story. <laughs> and that's what happened. So the story is called The Clue Horn Cantina Caper. And it was written by Kelly Sue Mc, uh, DeConnick and Matt Fraction, who are both comic writers and married to each other, we discovered right before we started recording. <laughs> yes. Um, they're both pretty established marvel writers she's written also for dc and dark horse i think he's also written for dark horse 
Um, but he seems to have a lot of oh, he's also written for DC. So they're basically they're both comic writers. Um he's one of I think he's done one of the more popular modern Hawkeye runs. Yeah, so they tag teamed this story. Hopefully I don't butcher everyone's name, but it starts out talking about the lore behind this instrument called the clue horn. And it's not super clear. I felt it still wasn't really clear by the end whether or not the story is true or if Cabe is just trying to like really overhype it. Um, or if it's like it's just as I shouldn't say that like it's true because it's definitely more like, oh, it's a magical horn and it's not. The horn is very important and it kind of sets off the whole thing. And I don't even know how to start talking about the story. <laughs> like it's this was, this was so, so convoluted. I know, but it was so like towards the end is when it really got interesting. I feel like when it finally started coming together because yeah. they took their time setting this up. So it talks about Cabe, the Muff Tuck, um, but the Muff Tuck, Muff, what are we calling it? Muff Tuck, Muff Tuck, Muff Tuck, um, whose name is Muff Tuck. Yeah. But for whatever the, reason, the story keeps calling him the muff tag yeah it got it got stuck um somebody called they thought it was his species and that he, yeah no and he muff tag is a talls yeah but yeah, he so he's like everyone just thinks he's a muff tag and he's like i'm muff tag but then the story continues to call him the muff tag for the, yeah, entire, for the entire and i believe yeah. he's the creature that's depicted on the in the the, the front page of the yes, story and they are this is the creature from clone wars uh for one of rio chuchi's arcs character art story arcs when they go on that planet that's like ice and snow and um the chairman wants to uh take over that planet and displace the native species that lives there that's yes that, that is yes. them i remember that and they they had were they in this episode i saw i felt like they were in the background of this episode not the not this one the um last week's episode maybe the one that Chuchu was in but um i don't know because i saw them and i was like are they the not muff talks because <laughs> like, i couldn't remember what it was but basically um cave and muff Tuck are these friends that are also incredibly selfish and only look out for one another or for themselves um and they are like pickpockets and kind of scavengers and basically um cape took this clue horn and sold it to this scrapper telling this long elaborate story and the scrapper was like i don't care and paid for it at a price that no one thinks is fair and the price of this thing keeps going back and forth throughout the entire story also um but of course it turns out that there's a whole backstory to how they ended up with the horn. Um, oh, God, yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm, like, turning pages trying to figure out where to even start. Because a lot of it is kind of, uh, I mean, it's, like, normal stuff. Where it's, like, they have to steal to sell things to pay rent. And they pay rent at the, here in Mos Eisley. Yeah, Because so, that's how it is. And everyone right. hustles. Then this that says, even... Their side hustles have side hustles on page the, 126. What it was was that 
the horn. Kabe or Cabe? Cabe took the horn from the Muftak, who took the horn from Mio, who won the horn from Lirin Karn. <laughs> like, and like I thought this was funny because um uh so Cabe and the Muftak are having this conversation and it says um, indeed, and knowing the day and what was due, uh, Agmena, Cabe says, I relieved you of the horn while you slumbered, as you had relieved him of the horn that he had relieved from Lear and Karn, and thus made the great haste to a scrapper I knew who would be in the market for horns, especially for golden horns of Clue. I passed out and you stole it from me, the Muftak counters. I find that interpretation radiantly unkind, counter counters the, the chatter, fran, chatter fan. <laughs> There's a trope. I almost want to call it a gimmick like a recurring narrative joke throughout this whole book not to be throughout the whole story not the whole book but it's basically a small book <laughs> um not to be a total nerd but it's this idea that it's like redundant in a funny way where it's like he counter countered and yes, then it'll be like funny. i'm sorry it was pretty great <laughs> it'll be like cluck he clucked <laughs> it's like okay and i it is funny yeah like, it happens several times i feel like at least once per character yeah and oh and of course i think cape owed someone money like it's not just the rent it's the rent and they owed money right so then but, it's then, a whole... but mio also like owed them and so it was like it was a whole whole thing like at the end it's the best like when they're all hanging out in the cantina like discussing this <laughs> that's what gets like really funny that was <clears throat> man like okay um Laring Laren Karn, if I'm not mistaken, is a Bith. He's the mm -hmm. one that lost the horn that belonged right. to he his father. He was actually trying to sell it. Yeah, he was going to sell it. But he lost it to Mio. And it turns out Mio actually owed money to the Muftak and Cabe. So while Mio was drunk, the Muftak took it. And then while the Muftak was sleeping, Cabe took it. And then, of course, a bounty hunter gets brought in. I think he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. Dejoss a bounty hunter. Dejoss yeah, he is a bounty hunter. Dejoss yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, seriously, you're going to drag me into this? <laughs> and so then... Does, is he when... not the one that bought it? Yeah, the end. Yeah. That, that was like the best part. <laughs> it's also kind of confusing because the, it's not told linearly. No. It's like it's like everybody's everybody's point of view until finally everybody gets together. Because like because what's wait, what's the bit's name again? The bith goes to the bounty hunter. It kind of implies that the bounty hunter just is better at the whole caper thing where it's like, um, because he's like, I'm gonna pay you this much to get this horn back. And he just is like, okay, and he just goes and gets it. <laughs> but right, so then Mio figures out who sold the scrapper. So Mio knows that it's Cabe and the Muftak because he goes and talks to the scrapper, pays the scrapper money, and the scrapper is like, oh, it was this thing. Little rat um, thing. Yes. And then um, so then here's where we get to Han Solo and Chewie. Um and Dejas Poor has a relationship with Han and Chewie. Uh like a you know, like a we're not friends, but you know, we respect each other kind of um kind of have to out here in the right and we yeah. also learned that ja dejas poor was you know he did not like java he was once java slave and he was able to get out and so while everyone was java slave i, the... I know i but say that this in is the second story so was java slave. han you know has that bounty on his head but dejas poor is like you know what 
I'm not going to turn you in. We have we have respect enough respect for each other that we're not going to do it. He actually brings back to Joss like because the shipment that he was carrying was something that Dejoss was looking for was uh, waiting for, and he happened to keep Dejoss's um, shipment, which was an egg from like home or something like that. Is that what it was? Uh, you know, the egg. It's important. <laughs> yeah, all. you kind of just they tell you just enough. Yeah, to know things are important. Right, and so. Um, then we go back to Mio, who is like has found Cabe and is strangling her to death and like, where do I do that? You know, and like this whole thing with Greedo and um and Liren Karen was hilarious. Like Greedo is trying to like bully him around and Liren Karen is just laughing at him the entire time. And that's when we have those two characters that try to pick a fight with Luke. They're part of they're with Greedo. Yeah, pig nosed and walrus faced, which yes. Honestly, least confusing names to date. Yeah, Ponda like, Baba and I approve. <laughs> right. Then we find out that Mooftalk is connected to Pignose Man because he gets him medicine. And Mooftalk was getting was counting on Han with that shipment for the medicine. And Han's like, sorry, man, I dropped I had to drop the shipment. And so of course Mooftalk's like, great. I'm in big trouble because Pig, Dr. Evazin is going to come after me. So then this makes me laugh. Stop me if you've heard this one before. A Chatafan, a Bith, <laughs> a Sakian, an Abyssin, an Aqualish, a Human, a Rodian, a Wookiee, another Human, and a Muftok walk into a bar, all of them trying to rip one another off at best and kill one another at worst, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's hanging out at this table. It's the Bounty Hunter, the Sakian Bounty Hunter. So you got Mufta. Mio, Dejaspur, Liren Carr, Kabe. I think that's it. That's all hanging out at this table. And they're like, listen, we're in big trouble. We need to figure this out. This was the like craziest part. Yeah. But I mean, yes. very good. <laughs> it was funny. It was hilarious. But like, Move Talk is like, Solo has lost everything and I need to get this stuff to um dr evazan if not i'm in trouble um and here's to joss poor's bragging he's like oh solo kept mine i wonder why he didn't keep yours they're like whatever and um it's kind of my head theory that he solo kept the other one on his person because he was just gonna keep it <laughs> like that's yeah, my theory. yeah exactly but then like yeah. it turns out that everybody knew that Muftak was buying illicit uh illegal drugs for this guy <laughs> and i thought that was funny those at the table agree demirrors they can manage but agreeing all the same <laughs> and he's like i'm so in trouble so then um we find out that greedo is making a play for solo and that uh walrus face and pig pig face are backing him up I thought this was hilarious. A teenage girl enters, looking around, eyes wide as dying stars, skin right. with a flush of youth. The Muftak <laughs> notes she's never been here before because she tries bringing her golden interpreter droid in with her. An old man who should know better follows. I'm like, oh, we're talking about Luke. <laughs> and he never, never figures out that Luke is not a girl. Yes. I'm assuming just because he has a pretty face and I guess baby is, face. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a pretty baby face. And maybe he's a little squeaky. Like, I don't know. So yeah. now, like, so they're like all trying to like make amends and stuff like that. You know, like 
you know, Muftak is like, I'm really sorry that I took the horn from you, or, you know, I should have never accepted the horn from Mio. All we knew was that that horn meant payday, is what it was. It was just they just wanted money. Um, and, you know, this, I think maybe this is what separates us from the animals. And Jospor is like, well, uh, I think you are an animal. Muftak's like, nobody <laughs> likes a pedant. And Mio's like, you're not a pedant, you're a know-it-all. As Mio's intellectual prowess impresses no one, least of all himself, the table finds itself collectively surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then Dejaspur is like, all right, guys, listen. This is my wager. Han Solo lives to see another day. Uh, because he is a man with friends. I say Greedo does not collect his bounty, for Greedo has no friends. And the table's like, okay, why? And then he goes into this whole thing about what happens if San Han Solo dies. And everybody's like, okay, Han Solo, Han Solo lives. So um so now we're at the scene where Luke is at the bar uh, with, um, and uh, Obi-Wan is talking to Chewie. So Dejaspur is nearby. He's he's standing nearby. Um, he's standing over by Dr. Evazen and Ponda Boba, Baba. Chewbacca is down the way because he's playing back up to Muftak. Um so Muftak is supposed to be uh, talking to Dr. Evazen, I think is what it was. So, but he's building up his courage. Well, then all of a sudden, Walrus Face uh, attacks the teenage girl. <laughs> Obi-Wan slices off an arm. And Panda Baba and Dr. Evazen are like out. They're like, okay, we're leaving. So then, oh, look, we're fine now. And then they see Greedo is like, you know, Greedo's standing there and he sees his, his dudes leave, but Greedo's too stupid and he's just going to keep going. Dejas Poor is like, this is amazing. This is pretty great. And then they see um, Greedo killed. And, <laughs> uh, um, he also, Dejas Poor also was like, listen, if it goes like how I think it will, if we keep Hansel alive, I will pay off a bunch of debts is really what it was. He so Yeah, then, he was basically like, you know what, if Greedo, did he even call if Greedo was going to die? But he was basically like, if Han Solo survives Greedo, I'll pay off everyone's debt at this table. And they were like, yes. okay. And then, which is kind of nice because as the reader, you know that that's what's going to happen. It happen, right. So then Joss Poor reaches beneath the table and from behind his legs, he brings up the clue horn of Liren Davi, who gave it to his son, Liren Karn, who lost it to Mio, who lost it to the Muftak, who lost it to Cabe, who sold it to a scrapper, who sold it to him. He places it on the table and everyone shuts up for a second. Now that, says Mio, is a funny joke. <laughs> that's it. Like it ends. There's with like an epilogue about talk, the Muftak. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Um, now that I know that they're comic writers, it totally makes sense. Like, um, especially some of it feels very Hawkeye. So I could like, cause he, I'm pretty sure he wrote one of the popular Hawkeye ones. Um, but especially how here at the end, it says night, you know, like it yes. says like a setting that's, I think that's how they write comic, um, scripts. So that makes sense. But yeah, that was one story that we read this week because it was really long, very convoluted. We actually skipped a lot, but it's because it kind of becomes repetitive as you, I shouldn't say repetitive, but as you go through everyone's POV, you see all of the same events. It just adds like each person's personal lead up to the event until mm -hmm. about halfway yeah. through um, 
where Marianne kind of started detailing everything is where it finally becomes linear again. I just thought it was really ridiculous. I was like, somebody, whoever edited this book really told all the authors, like, by the way, everyone in the cantina, they all have to be criminals, which makes sense because yeah. that's what Obi-Wan calls most Eisley. He's like, yeah, this is like the scum of the earth over here. Like, they really ran with it. And I, like, I... I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if it was my favorite story. I think just because I hate having to read things twice, but also it was, I felt the payoff was strong, strong payoff with that one. Yes, I agree. Um, the next story, I believe, is a Boba Fett story. So it looks like added muscle. Added muscle. So next week we will read hopefully two stories if Boba Fett doesn't end up being extremely long. <laughs> um, yeah. So this week, was the Bad Batch episode nine. And we weren't really sure what was going to happen after the departure of Echo, but I'm not really sure what I was expecting it to be other than like the, we knew the emotional part of the episode was going to be this idea that Echo is not with them anymore, but I wasn't expecting it to be what it was. So here's a quick little summary. Without Echo, the Batch is sent off on a mission from Sid to basically retrieve, I don't know what it is, a mineral, a substance. Ipsium. Epsium from a mine that Sid has purchased, although it kind of seems like she got scammed. But while they're on this very Lion King gorge planet, the ship gets stolen, which we will talk about. And then, of course, they're stuck on the planet, hiding from a storm with each other and each other's feelings. Yes. That's basically the yep. gist of the episode, which... I gotta say, even after, okay, <laughs> so we're sad about Omega, like, or we are sad with Omega. That's Dude, yes, Omega was all of us in this episode. She yeah. really was. And it was really sad. I mean, I felt like they made tech too mean. Not, maybe not necessarily to Omega, but definitely to Wrecker, because I think what he said to Omega all the lines he had for Omega made sense for his character arc of the episode, which tech heavy episode. We're all here for it. Love to see some. This was actual character development for tech and I love it. Um, but I felt like all of the meanness he had for Wrecker was super unnecessary and almost, I would say, inconsistent with his character. No, I have to disagree. I mean, that's OK. No one else agreed that I talked to. It, this this is, is my unpopular opinion that tech was tech, too mean. Tech is tech. I have to agree with others that tech is autistic coded, and this is him. This is how he's expressing his feelings for Echo leaving. Him being snappy. This is unusual for tech that he's being so snippy with Wrecker, and you're like, why? Why is tech suddenly so snippy? with Wrecker and it's something had happened there was a change that did that and Echo is having or Tech is having a hard time dealing with that change hence the change in attitude well I feel like with how logical he is I it, like I think the line that kind of killed it for me was when Tech dropped he dropped the the crate that was holding the whatever yes. it was Oh, okay. And Wrecker was like, um, I suppose this is my fault too. And he was like, well, yeah, because technically you're the reason the ship got stolen or whatever. But it was like, that seemed uncharacteristic because I think 
that's a because later it was a similar line where he was like i guess that's on me and i think that that would have been a better place like it was just like one line too far like i understand i just feel like for how logical he is to keep turning something back you gotta remember what has happened they have lost crosshair and they've lost echo i feel like tech has kind of hit a breaking point i do kind of feel i wish he'd gone into more detail about crosshair because i think <clears throat> he did have maybe a little more of a kindred with crosshair because crosshair like tech is so straight laced and crosshair is so you know also semi-emotionless in a way so like i think he definitely misses the kindred he had with him and but he I didn't mean, he, i wish he had elaborated a little bit crosshair has always been there and then the choices that were made him turning against his brothers, them having to leave him behind, and now Echo leaving them to go look for his brothers. You know, I think Tech just kind of hit a breaking point. And so that logical side of his brain is not quite functioning because he is still trying to process his emotions. And he tells Omega, like, my feelings aren't any less than yours i i process them them differently and i think this was also a good growth for tech because i think he understands that he was kind of the problem but he also knows that he needed to work his feelings out so i don't think that this yes this is out of character for tech but for a reason there was a trigger point and we hit it and so that's why we have an out of character tech but it was so good though it was such a good growth for him that's what i really loved about this episode it was really good i wish his i mean i guess this is kind of what i just said but i wish the his talk with omega was a little longer but i think it's because i was waiting for a specific line which this happens i'll wait for a line and it never gets said <laughs> He did, you know, he's basically said all of the important things, but I kind of wanted him to be like, well, I like I shouldn't have done that because it was me processing my grief, but it was more like a more general apology slash explanation. But I mean, also, you only have so long in an episode. So and they had a lot of action for some reason, <laughs> like there was um, a decent amount of action in the episode, which poor Omega was like. I felt bad for her because I understood why she was frustrated, but also as an adult that has looked after children, um, I understood why they kept saying, like, be careful, be careful, be careful. And she took it to be like, oh, they don't trust me when she was handling the IPCM or whatever it is. And they were like, no, like, for real, we are scared that everything is going to blow up. And she's like, they don't trust me with this trifling little thing. <laughs> and Like, I felt bad for her because I was like, yes, it does kind of seem like they don't trust her. But also they I, they just don't trust the mineral. But that also seemed to be a thing where she was like, um, Echo's gone. They don't trust me. Like, any one of us could like she almost she doesn't say this but she's like everything's changing and it's almost like she feels like they're all, they'll all just leave maybe right and it's kind of like it is sad it's a really it's an emotional episode that would make me cry too i was just like because it was like you finally have tech express his feelings because he doesn't ever you know like you said he's a very logical person and here finally he gets to express his feelings 
express how he is dealing with the change because everybody processes change differently just because he processes it one way doesn't make it any less than how omega and that's what omega learns as well is because she thinks that tech doesn't care but then he he's like listen i i, I may do things differently that doesn't make it any less and he's like you know like I, I do miss them but i have to respect that they chose their own paths and that he, he, helps omega you know she she realizes yeah and he says something similar in the season one finale yes crosshair he crosshair. Yeah, yeah with about crosshair he was like he's like wrecker you can't this is just he's this is how he is and this is the path he chose you just have to deal with it and like crosshair's just like why are you defending he's like i'm not i'm not i just understand you which again is like another nod toward how tech misses him where he was just like because tech was really the only one that was up for defending him at all i mean not that hunter stopped him from defending him but i think hunter also is just like dark and broody to borrow sid's term where i think hunter stays in his head a lot yeah and that's part of why he's the best parental figure because I think he he really thinks things through and not in the way that like tech is logical or the way because Wrecker is a little more like better to ask forgiveness than permission. That's Wrecker. But also he I don't know if they talked about how he if this is part of his genetics or if it's just how it is that he's the leader of the group. So maybe they gave him that trait. But also do is it canon that the the leaders of the clones are enhanced with those traits or is it more that they're it's just how they end up you know it's more of their personal development than it is i don't their think genetics. they really go into explanation of how they chose their officers i think that there was a line where they said that the leaders were programmed to have more more decision making capabilities i think it's very well possible honestly but i don't i mean but I feel like the last three weeks has just been this like establishment that I have to rewatch the Clone Wars. I honestly would not be surprised if they just picked, they randomly picked uh, an embryo and was like, all right, we're going to give you leadership traits, you know, and then yeah. go from there. But like, here's the thing, you know, a lot of there's like some of the designations like CC can either be clone commando or clone commander because because Commander Cody is a CC, but it stands for. Like the end of that thought was just that I think Hunter processes a lot of things in his head the way that normal mature adults do. Um, whereas like tech processes things, but not in an emotional sense. I mean, I guess he like the episode establishes he does differently. It manifests differently. Um, Wrecker wears his feelings on his sleeve and we love him for it, obviously. Um, and Crosshair is more of a, he's more, like, I know I said tech was straight-laced earlier, so these are not the most coherent thoughts this evening, everybody, but, um, Crosshair is more straight-laced, and then you have Echo, who I know isn't part of the original batch there, but Echo, I, I think all of the war experience really wore him down, and he's, I feel like Echo was a lot more about conscience, and now... Omega's a big, like a big role of Omega's is conscience, obviously, but mm -hmm. not in the same way that Echo's was. So I wonder if maybe she'll step up into that role a little bit. 
as they go on. But can we also um, talk about Hunter's uh, dad instincts coming in clutch? <laughs> when he was like, you have another apology to me. No, no, not that or, one. Or that, you have another that, thing to fix. Where he's like, he's like, something's wrong. <laughs> like after Tech, which by the way, did not hesitate to jump in after Omega. Um, you see, this is the thing. They bring back hunters cool hunting like the thing that makes hunter different is supposed to be these heightened senses right that he senses things he hears things he smells things like that's supposed to be like hunter's whole thing is supposed to he's supposed to have like the spidey sense right and we saw it in the pilot episode we saw it like once in the rest of season one and now we're seeing it again but it's like we call it plot convenience where it's like it's cool when the plot needs it and otherwise we kind of forget about it because I feel like there's other times they could have used it maybe a few times he'll be like oh someone's coming you know like he'll randomly note something like that but not this episode was like you know what we haven't done in a while fully displayed what Hunter can do uh, <laughs> and yeah exactly they did it for sure where he was like oh something's wrong oh and oh no get to the ship oh the ship's gone like that's a whole thing so there was a scene early on that um shout out to ruben i know you never listen but you will one day <laughs> you'll hear all of our shout outs <laughs> um shout out to ruben ruben asked me there was a scene early on where um omega's playing with a rock when she's on lookout and he asked me if she's moving the rock with the force or if it's the animation style and it's actually kind of hard to tell because the animation style doesn't isn't the best with gravity. Like you kind of notice that they're got this thing going with gravity where everything is just a little more smooth. Like the the physics of the animation are a little more balanced and smooth than reality. So in this little shot, you have her rolling the rock around in her hand, but it almost looks like her hand is barely moving and the rock is spinning on its own. But I feel like the animation style, it could just be that it's supposed to be rolling in her hand. I mean, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm I haven't been on Bad Batch TikTok this week, but I'm kind of surprised that I haven't seen more about it. Cause I know a ton of people want her to be force sensitive. Right. But I I don't. I know you don't. We don't. <laughs> um, he was wondering, he was like, Do you think? And I was like, I hope not. But also it is hard to tell. So I feel like we should at least acknowledge the scene and deny it. <laughs> <laughs> And we are not manifesting that. But my last thought of the episode, because the emotional stuff was a huge part of the episode. Um, and then here came Wrecker screaming to break the tension. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I will we'll have this lovely little talk. And then it's so funny if you watch it with subtitles, because the subtitles come on first. Where it'll be like oh, yes. dead silent, and then the subtitle say "Wrecker screaming," <laughs> and then it'll go to where Wrecker's coming down the waterfall, um, which was quite entertaining. But the last thing is that someone took their ship. Yes. And my early theory that I thought Marianne was screaming at me about, but it wasn't because Star Wars followed her on TikTok, was that it was <laughs> Boba Fett, only because it was like a teenager. But I feel like it could be either a um male or female but my it first thought like was hondo no actually this is this was my my first thought was hondo then my second thought was I felt too small I, to hondo. 
Yeah, oh yeah, no, but it was when you first see the helmet popping over, like that was my first thought. That's why I first thought Hondo. But then when you saw that it was, you know, like a child like person running for the ship, my second thought was I could have sworn in the trailer we saw the other younglings from the gathering episodes in Clone Wars, Gungi's uh Gungi's uh yeah, young Yeah, <laughs> crate mates, yeah, crate mates. Um, so that's my part of my like I like the Boba Fett the Boba Fett theory, but I also kind of wonder if we're going to see, because I could have sworn that we saw them. I kind of remember that too, where there was more of them. Yeah. So maybe it'll just become their thing, saving the Jedi Padawans. Well, <laughs> but they... was it you who have this theory or was it my friend who was saying that she theorized that the batch will help start the path and they're going to start rescuing Jedi younglings. So she theorizes that they're going to help start the path or at least join in helping to ferry people around with Gunji. Cause like that was like her first thought with Gunji. Cause they take Gunji back to Kashyyyk without any, you know, hesitation. Let's take him back. Let's go. Um, but I was also thinking it was also the younglings. Like it was a youngling from the gathering episodes. I mean, I think it's words. definitely a child. Yes. So, and I think my only reason I thought it might be Boba Fett was because um i'm not very original so there's that <laughs> but then i feel like um the hair seems i don't know if it's supposed to be hair or like a hair piece but i feel like it's supposed to be hair i feel like the the hair might not like be would probably be a sign that it's not because i think the last time we saw him in the clone wars he had a shaved head um but then i felt it could be a misdirect like the appearance of the teenager that took the marauder Mm -hmm. is a misdirect um and so i feel like maybe it's all i'm sure i'm sure all will be revealed and it could be a completely new character i also thought it could be one of the Mar martez sisters but i was like well that doesn't make sense they not would just show their small. face too small you think so they're yeah. not big girls they're, they're but they're they were way taller they were taller than omega well we didn't see the kid next to anyone else i know but i don't i don't think it's the martez sisters i don't i don't think it would be yeah i don't i don't think it is either that was just one of my thoughts but i was like my early thought is only that it's boba fett because i think i think it would be wild for them to go through the entire bad badge and for omega never to come across him but then i also think that they probably don't want to mix up boba fett with too many people um although we already had Cad Bane. Mm -hmm. so i feel like boba fett's got to be around somewhere um you know it's all it could be anybody really yes i agree yeah i wonder how they'll get off the planet do you think um sid will come for them well she said to give them a few days i don't know i am really curious how they're gonna get off oh who was theorizing oh uh so i did this podcast they theorized they were, what was it they were theorizing that they think that Rex was going to come rescue them? Rex and Echo? I think it would be too soon. Where did, what did they say? I cannot remember what they said because somehow Cody got involved. <laughs> like Cody was I could see in. Cody just showing up being um, like, hey guys. I'm like Cody and him like, yeah. Been with Crosshair recently. You know, like I could back. see that being a thing, but. I'll have to like go back and um and listen. What's and listen. the podcast called? Rebel so scum like, and uh, a side of calf. Rebel scum and a side of calf. I 
shouldn't say I didn't expect a heavy episode, but I think I was, I wasn't expecting them to have a heavy episode that ended on a cliffhanger again. Yeah. I'm like, son of a gun. (laughs) Come on, guys. On a cliffhanger. (laughs) I think they, I know they do it on purpose, but I'm just like, guys. We don't watch half-hour shows for the cliffhanger. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, leave Andor on a cliffhanger, but you gave us 53 minutes. Yes, exactly. This, no. I need a complete arc. Thanks. Which it was, really, but still. It was nice that Tech called out Sid, but I wonder if it's still leading up to a bigger thing. I mean, I, I should say I'm sure that it is. Because I would be really shocked if they were like, oh, we'll do this entire episode about how much Sid owes us. And then we're going to resolve it all with Tech just calling her out on a phone call. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how they would do that so far. We'll see how she holds it against them. We'll see if Sid sticks it out the rest of the season. I kind of feel like I don't love what they have going on with Sid in the story sense. Like, it makes sense because they need... They need the partnership to keep these little missions going. But I think as soon as they can figure out a way to get them on a regular path, they'll drop the Sid storyline because it's, it is kind of repetitive. But maybe that's the point. Like maybe it'll all come to a head where it's like, this right. is the third time we have to save Sid and we're done. Bye. I'm hoping for then, a phone rebellion, honestly. I just, that's, yeah. I. What's the next episode? Hold on. I have a picture. I can tell you what the next episode is called. I feel I think like it's the... Metamorphosis or something like. No, 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 that's not right. Um, the uh, retrieval. I think is what it is. Retrieval. Oh, someone's going um, to get them. Somebody. Oh, okay. I think I remember what they said. So it was Will the Wookie. He said that he thinks it was like. I think it was him who said this. It was like a. Two, there was like a two, a double um retrieval. So it's called retrieval. He thinks it's like a double, meaning like. They were going to retrieve the batch and they're going to retrieve Cody. That's what I think it was. Like, he thinks Cody. Oh, be I thought he was going to say they're going to get the batch and then they're going to get their ship. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> the next okay. one is Metamorphosis. So it's retri- Retrieval and then Metamorphosis, the Outpost, Pabu, Tipping Point, and then the season finales, the Summit, and Plan 99. Uh, so apparently, the Outpost is a definite crosshair episode. I guess that got leaked. Well, he's only had one. So it. I mean, oh, and yeah. I guess um, Jennifer Corbett, Corbett, right? Jennifer Corbett yeah. had said in an interview, wanting people to just like you know bear with them. This is all for a reason. Oh, here we go. So on upcoming episodes, breaking from the show's format, like last week's third episode, focusing on the villain, uh, villainous Crosshair. She said Crosshair is a member of the Bad Batch. So even when we do focus on him, he's on a very different path than the rest of Clone Force ninety nine is on right now. So we do have a lot of episodes in season two that take a turn. We don't want to give too much away, but we do continue with Crosshair's journey as well as the rest of Omega and her space dads. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So obviously, I mean, I didn't, I think we were all like, no, Crosshair's story is um, not done. It's there's trust the process. There's a method to their madness. I do want to know what happens since they're getting rid of, well, I don't know. Since they're getting rid of, well, I don't know, maybe they're not getting rid of Rampart, but fill out my Vader theory, which would be cool, but also, (laughs) um, I don't know, I kind of miss good crosshair. And I mean, I've said before, I don't 
care for Crosshair that much, but I do obviously want the team to be whole again. That would be nice. Still kind of in shock over Echo leaving, but... I'm never going to get over that. Like, when I when I saw that Volume 1 was released today, I immediately went to the playlist and looked for the last song. And I was like, okay, the last song is called Racing Mix. And then Sizz... I was like, okay, that's definitely not it. And I was like, okay, Sizz... Okay, that's definitely not it. Where I fit. Okay, I think that's it. And, like, I'm sitting at work listening to this, and I'm just sobbing. <laughs> not over it still. Like, that scene was so fucking heartbreaking it just never gonna get over that it was really i think it just took everyone by surprise i'm well, still like, thinking they're all gonna get separated by the end of the season people kept saying um people kept saying they're like we knew this was coming we knew this was coming and i was like you knew what was did coming? we i was well, like I what think did you guys know like what did you guys figure out apparently i'm behind I think people definitely saw that Echo was going to try to persuade them to go with Rex. I don't think people foresaw Echo straight up leaving. But also, I shouldn't say straight up leaving because that made it sound like there was a falling out. But I don't I think that they, by the end of the season, I definitely think that they're all going to come together. And then I think they're going to be separated. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a clone uprising or some sort of thing at the end of the season. And then I think they'll all be separated, except for Omega and Wrecker, because I think that makes sense. I mean, Omega and Hunter makes sense, too, but I think the stakes are way higher if, <laughs> if she's just with Wrecker. Although it would be cool to see Wrecker out on his own, because we kind of keep seeing how um, intelligent he is. Like, yeah. full-on speaking Wookiee, like, a lot more emotional intelligence than... Like, because originally his whole thing was he was this like big brute stereotype, but he's actually pretty smart. That's what so I said it to would the guys in the podcast last night. I was like, I don't think people are giving Wrecker enough credit. He's smarter than people think. Like, yeah, there are yeah. times he's a little daft, but the man is smarter than you think. And people need to give him more credit. I think sometimes he just hasn't had the room to shine yet. I think he will, though. So I think it would be interesting to either have him off on him by himself or maybe him with omega and he is actually in charge being more of a dad than the big brother i think that that would be a really interesting dynamic but of course it's all only predictions because they've already finished the story so we can't sway anything they do i personally but. don't i maybe it's just me i don't like the idea that they um gonna split up at the end it just doesn't make sense to me I, guess. I just think it's a like as a cliffhanger. Not that they would leave purposefully, but maybe it ends with them separated on accident. I don't really know how to explain this without spoiling a Victoria Aveyard book. <laughs> but like in a situation where they're forced to split up for for some reason, um, kind of like the like if season one had ended with them all being in different parts of the city instead of them being all together on the platform like that's kind of the scenario i'm thinking of where they split up for some reason and then the cliffhanger that you can't wait the next year for is that like are they gonna all find each other again or they're just gonna be out there somewhere we'll see well and they might not I, don't do that think, just I don't think we've heard anything about a season three yet have we there should be a third season but i have not heard anything 
about well, TikTok clone three. sims, it's your time to rise. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> better show up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it'd be very weird if they didn't go on to a season three. But I feel like people keep talking like you and saying, I think in the next season, this will happen. You know what I mean? I feel like they're really pressing this clone uprising much faster than I thought they would, though. Like, that's why I was like, I feel like clone uprising is series finale material. But also, if this theory that they eventually go on to help form the path, that could be season fi or series finale material. You know, like it all, mm -hmm. it kind of just depends. But you know, I don't know if they've thought that far ahead. I feel like they're probably watching the numbers on Disney Plus before right. they decide. Yeah. But either way, they have to have finished the season in a way where it completes a story unless they already know they're getting the season three. That's well, it's, how it's writing television works. Andor was greenlit before it even came out. Season two was greenlit before season one even premiered. I feel like, like there had to have been a negotiation for the focus that, groups though. were very impressed, apparently. <laughs> That's my Maybe fear. the focus groups were like, yes. I think someone fought for it because the, you know they wanted to do five seasons. Right. And Disney was like, no. Well, I don't know I if it was like one Disney, year, but like it was like a year closer to Rogue One. Like each I think each season was supposed to represent like a year closer to Rogue One. Yeah, and then they, I think they negotiated, because I think Disney was like, because first of all, Andor is a huge budget. Like, I think it's equal it's, in budget to Kenobi, but with like half the visual effects or something. Is it slated for three seasons? No, only two. Just two? Andor okay. is. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I think someone negotiated for two seasons. I don't know enough about the industry to say for sure that's what happened but i think that someone came in and was like you know this is gonna be good i want to do this for t for and i think it was tony what's his face Godfrey? Gilroy. 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 sorry yeah i think he was like oh here's five seasons and they were like this is a big budget for a slow moving story because the first half of season one did move kind of slow i know it was setting up a lot but lots of world building yeah yeah, but I also, and I said this when we were when we went over Andor. Also, I think a lot of it could have been shorter. I'm also not a screenwriter, but still, um, I think that they probably looked at it and were like, "You need to condense this," and they came out with the two season plan. But I think also because they're trying not to plan out five years ahead, I think that they, I think everyone was on board with planning five years ahead until the pandemic, and the pandemic screwed everything over. So now mm -hmm. they don't plan five years ahead. And now I think they try to plan three years ahead tops and try to leave room for scheduling. But I feel like the Bad Batch, I don't know if it had focus groups, if it didn't have focus groups. Like I don't know. I feel like Andor has a giant budget, so they have to have focus groups. Mm -hmm. Like the Bad Batch has an animation budget, which is significantly smaller. So, um, so yeah, I think they're watching the Disney Plus numbers. But usually when you know your show is going to be renewed based on numbers... You do a final closing thing that could keep going or could stop. Like the like how season one was like, that was a satisfying ending because they were reunited with Crosshair, but then he still left and it made sense because everyone still has stories to be told. But if it had just ended, we wouldn't have been super mad about it. You know, it was like, well, Omega's with them. Crosshair's with them. It all makes sense. Okay. But... 
I think it really depends. I think it is helpful that Dave Filoni's in charge and he cares about the clones a lot. I don't think he had as much to do with this season, though. No, but he's, I mean, he's part of the team that decides what gets renewed. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think that he's, you know, like, I think that he probably wants it to go on. But it also kind of depends what they're doing with the era. Because this is really the only show set in this era. And we've got Rebels and Andor crossing over and kind of Kenobi's out there in the middle somewhere. But that's why I like the Bad Batch because I love seeing the transition from the Republic to the Empire. Like that's why I like it so much. I mean I think it'll keep going. I think it'll keep going. I think they'll probably get a season three, especially because I feel like this season isn't moving very quickly. And that's not really a complaint because it's not supposed to move very quickly. But I felt like the first season was more like, um, I think because they had Crosshair as that catalyst where it was like Crosshair would, they'd run into Crosshair every two or three episodes. And you could kind of tell it was all coming to something. And here it's a lot, they, you know, we've seen Crosshair once. So, but that's because that story finished. Like the story of their conflict with Crosshair Mm -hmm. is basically over. And now we're all just waiting for him to come home. But yes, please come home. Yeah. And I think that's why people are calling these filler episodes also, because we don't have that ongoing, like, oh crap, run into Crosshair again, ran into Rampart again, because they ran into Rampart once. And now Rampart's out. Still, one so, of my mutuals, uh, he said on TikTok, he said, I've got a question for you. He's like, those of you who've watched The Bad Batch, if you watched Clone Wars, which did you like better, Clone or Wars? Um, Clone. Have that you been on TikTok? A, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> because, like, a lot of people were complaining. Like, they're like, the best episode was episode three. And I was like, I wonder if you like that because it was very, very reminiscent of the Clone Wars and you really liked the Clone Wars. And he was going on to saying, he was like, you know, those who like the clones, you like the story development and you like to learn more about the clones. The war part, you're just into the action and stuff like that. And I was like, that's a very good point. I like both, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) He says, I really want to get into Bad Batch, but after Andor, I'm finding it really difficult for myself to get into the season two the bad batch and a lot of people were pointing out i was like well you're kind of you're kind of comparing like almost apples and oranges yeah live action to animation and on top of that the bad batch is still geared more towards children yeah so like it is i agree i just I don't, I think that they're not writing for children anymore. No, I don't think so. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, f- I think that Rebels seasons three and four would be a better jump than like from going from Andor to like Rebel season three and four and then going to the Bad Batch, I think would be like not mm. the worst transition because Rebels season three and four are a lot, are very similar in tone to Andor with very similar stakes and a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but not season one and two, because those are very Bad Batch seasons. <laughs> like, and um, Bad Batch, you know, because season one is a lot of, well, Ezra is a little bit of an idiot, but really smart and also force sensitive. And then we have all these other characters and there's a dynamic all the time. Um, and then, but by the time you get through the Darth Vader stuff and then you get into season three, it's like, oh, actually now they're full-fledged rebels now. 
Yeah, it's apples and oranges for sure. And I that's one of the things before the before we recorded, we were talking about how Liam Neeson apparently um said that he felt like the magic I'm paraphrasing, but the magic of Star Wars is kind of lost with all of the shows. Um diluted, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what this is where it's like like I call it the marvelization of things where it's like Marvel set out to be a studio that made all of their comics. And it's not necessarily that they wanted to make them all canon, even though that's true as well. Um, but they wanted to reach, they want to be a legit studio that has a range. Mm -hmm. And I think that star Wars is kind of becoming that where it's like, Oh, there's star Wars for everybody, especially Andor was a huge part of that where it used to be like star Wars is pretty specific um until we got andor and now i feel like andor really entered the world of star wars can also be for adults only they are vastly different so it's almost gonna get to the point where it's like you can't say you just love all of star wars because you're gonna love one aspect of star wars um especially if they keep widening the range but also it's like because a lot of people that had never cared about star wars loved andor because they're really into that kind of show and that tone and everything. But then there's a ton of people that hated Andor because it wasn't anything like Star Wars. And I think it's kind of the same for the animated shows where people are like, I don't really care for the animated shows because I just can't get into animation, which I think is fair. Like I understand that anime as some of the best storytelling out there. Mm -hmm. Like I believe it, you guys, but it is really hard for me to watch anime. And I don't really know why. Like, I finally pressed through and watched all of Avatar The Last Airbender, which I know is not true anime. I know that. No one come for me in our comments. <laughs> but other anime, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, you know, I understand people saying they can't really get into animation, especially if you start with season one of The Clone Wars. Because some of that stuff is rough. Let's be real. Yeah. Some of those episodes are really sketch. It took a few minutes. It took a few seasons, but then we're good. Yeah, but it's definitely not like Andor, Clone Wars, and Rebels. They some of them have really heavy storylines, but it's not the same as Andor. And Andor is nothing like the movies. But I feel like the movies are also not like the shows either. So it's all different. Yes. So anyway, I guess that was a whole rant. I'll probably edit a lot of. <laughs> um, you can join us next time to figure out whether or not we're forcing it. I'm Annie. And I'm Marianne. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.